Okay. Well, we'll rip off a Joe Rogan style. We'll go three, two, one. This is the uh, first episode of 2A1 to 2AM. I have with me Alex, a very lovely and talented local artist who is blowing up in the scene lately. Wanted to get her in on the show today to uh, get her thoughts on basically whatever's on her mind. She's usually got some pretty good subjects. And I know she's got some shows and stuff coming up, so we'll hear the perspective of one of Houston's brightest and darkest individuals. Thank you, thank you. That's, that was lovely. Yeah, no, um, I'm an artist, Houston-based. Uh, I make a lot of work focused on alchemy, uh, esoteric subjects in general, so a lot of esoteric religions and traditions, as well as uh, the occult. But I take more of a de-occulting uh, sort of path, so I'm not really interested in keeping things hidden and mysterious, which is all the occult means, but more of focusing on how do I bring this to the public in a way that raises their consciousness, helps them helps them to um, raise their consciousness. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Well, you, uh, you said something interesting right before we sat down. You were talking about UFOs and their relation to... Um, and for, uh, for people that are listening, because a lot of people may be familiar with the word alchemy, but they don't know the actual definition. And even if you know the actual definition, um, a lot of it is contained in, in um, hidden information, that uh, information is something you have to search for. I would just like uh, to hear your personal definition of what you consider alchemy, just to give people an understanding of what we're talking about when we say alchemy. Yeah, no, thank you so much for that. Because I actually think about it, my definition for alchemy isn't as intense or as um, well in depth as maybe my definition for a lot of other things. I think alchemy is probably the third facet, maybe like the final facet of my work. So it's definitely not the main focus, but I kind of focus on the term like alchemia. And so I understand it, and this is going to be totally butchered and wrong right, right off the cuff, but. Um, as sort of the ancient form of chemistry. So there was a time where, you know, the the modern form of chemistry we have today, it didn't really exist because we just didn't have the capacity to really engage with chemicals the way we do now. Yeah, through through Newton. Yeah, exactly. And that's a great, yeah. He was a big... um I don't want to say a cultist, but uh, he came from what you're describing as uh, an old school of education. Yeah. It's uh, the ga- There's two different forms of medicine. There's a Hippocratic form, which is basically the quadrivium that focuses primarily on just the uh, practical sciences, so arithmetic, astronomy, um, science, and chemistry. No, absolutely, yeah. And uh, the people like Newton, who invented chemistry, they came from a, a trivium school of knowledge, which is basically grammar rhetoric and logic to interpret the through um it's basically a lens that you view uh the practical and the liberal arts through so you can apply the same uh it's like seeing the the golden principle in nature when you see how nature works you can um recreate that at a greater level because man's um vision of um creation can never match the creators so it's using basically your understanding of nature and the signatures in it and applying that to not just art but architecture philosophy um religion everything and that's kind of like uh, the problem you run into now um one of the books i have talks about uh the issue with modern um science that the quadrivium is doomed to fail because it lacks philosophy yes that was actually something i was reading about as well um 
And it's something that I actually deal with a lot in uh, sort of my personal circle where I deal with a lot of hard scientists, like your, your hard physicists and then uh, your philosophy. So you, I, I, have, I have associates who are lawyers and then associates who are like chemists. And it's one of the, the, the more evident sort of altercations you have when you're like communicating with both of them is that they're both saying the same thing in completely different languages so they think that they're they think that they're opposing each other but they really aren't they don't even see the the common ground they don't see, uh, yeah they, they don't see the common ground all because of the vernacular all because of the language they're bad humans they're bad pattern recognizers they can't yeah. see the correlation between different gods and different well, religions and different the left brain does the left brain does these sorts of things where it's like you're gonna be so um, so logical to the point and so rigid and so hard that you can't move past the first step of the trivium which is knowing knowledge and I'm glad you mentioned the trivium because that is if I were to sum up my work in the most simplistic form all the way down to its branding and slogan it is the trivium it is pretty much teaching the people teaching the people the trivium because my initial question I asked as a philosopher and, and as an artist was, we're free, we're, we're innately, inherently free beings, but why don't we know this? And why are we afraid of this? And a lot of people misunderstand the nature of freedom too. Absolutely. I did as well when I first started on my journey, actually, because I thought it was all external. <laughs> and as I began my own research and started to, um, you know, just discover, you know, asking myself this question of, I desperately want to be free. Um, and, you know, I was an anarchist, part of the anarchist community, part of the libertarian community. Then oh, yeah. joining the anarchist community, that was kind of how I got in. <clears throat> that group identity. Yeah, exactly. That group identity. And you're like, we all want to be free and the government's the problem. But that's not real freedom. It's, it, you know, it, it's, it's a seed that gets, it's a path. It gets you started on asking the right questions. And for me, it was so left brain that I was not asking about the spiritual component. But back to the trivium, what I had, when I had discovered the trivium myself and how it sort of correlated to just basic logical understanding of reality and perceptual reality, it blew, I don't want to use the term, it blew my mind, but it was more of, wow, this was something that I knew so innately at the age of five and six. But I guess through all sorts of, um, I would say, some people use the term indoctrination. I actually would go much further and say it's socialization on the third dimension. So it's part of the process that we forget this information and we rediscover it when we're ready for the true initiation. Because as babies and children, we're born into the world um, in our purest form and able to understand this and comprehend. And we know this information innately when we come into the world, there's a forgetting that happens as we're socialized on uh, to get along with our parents and family and peers. And so we have to sort of be reinitiated uh, with the wisdom of living on this planet, of being like, you forgot this. And that's when I realized um, that the nature of freedom, it, it is a realization, but it's like, it's like a forgetting. And, and with what I've learned by creating my art um, about the trivium and how this process relates to all things that we perceive uh, in this reality is that it's massively effective. 
the massive effectiveness of it kind of also blew my mind. I mean, I believed in it and I knew it worked for me, but just meeting randos on the street who'd see my work and when I would just explain, you know, what the trivium was and how my trivium, just my derivative of it is truth, love and freedom and how that works. A lot of people are just like, yeah, wow, I've been thinking that. I And there's a sort of coming home in these sort of discussions I have with my clients and customers who view my art. It's, it's very much um, where in the beginning I thought I was going to be, you either think you're going to be educating people or you think you're going to be enlightening people, but that's not what it is. What you're doing is you're just reminding people of what they already know. Well, there's a, a correlation. Um, and I think uh, a lot of what I've read recently has to do with um, the caduceus or the two serpent. That's a pretty big uh, symbology. Um, a lot of people know the association between the caduceus and DNA, but they don't know the correlation between the caduceus and RNA, which is the opposite serpent. Yes. There's basically um, two serpents uh, that were in the Garden of Eden. A lot of people misunderstand the entire tale on the basis that they think there's only one tree. There was a tree of life, that which would have given us uh, basically you know, humans used to live a lot longer. Or that's what they say in a lot of mm-hmm. biblical and myths is that humans used to live a lot longer. That would be in the tree yeah, of life. Terrestrials say the same thing too to get a little woo-woo on you, but yeah. They say, uh, so instead of choosing the tree of life, man chose the tree of knowledge, which yeah. gave him understanding of good and evil. Yeah. And that is the RNA. A lot of people, um, and they're kind of starting to touch, they're, t- they're starting to scrape the basis of this with memes and understanding what um, like funny pictures and text and, you know, changes and evolutions in language. Because there's two different types of evolution. There's evolutions of the physical, and then there's evolution of the species. And RNA is kind of what you absorb from other people. RNA is like the um, when you're with a group of people and they express those ideas and they express those emotions. There's dominant, there's submissive feelings in between. But basically, that RNA is infected. That's when you get those memes. That's how you change people's RNA. That's how you change the basis for a lot of things. And then kind of when you're alone, um, you don't have anything else. So you kind of like it's. I mean. People um, get really upset that they put prisoners in isolation, but a lot of like a lot of Buddhists, and you'll see this sometimes too with people that are in um, isolation in prison. You can um, when you when you don't have anything else but yourself, your RNA has nothing to do but look inward. And when that happens, you can kind of you can kind of discover um, maybe something from a past life, or maybe maybe a passion that you you knew you had but you didn't know how to access it. Like maybe you're good with cooking with a walk. Maybe you're good at growing bonsai trees. Unless you've tried those things and you're in the right mindset you wouldn't even know it and that's kind of like that's kind of like what i there's two different paths um if you have a powerful enough um will and intent i think you can be in people uh, in a crowd and you can absorb that rna without having it affect you but i think uh and I, we kind of talked about this a little bit like isolating yourself on facebook i think it's good for everybody to take a little bit of time and just isolate yourself because you when you isolate yourself you are the truest form of yourself of course and you can never get away from yourself so, I mean, you kind of have to learn how to deal with this asshole the most. I mean, everybody else has the benefit of they can leave you or they can, like, just ignore you. But you're always trapped with you. So you, you should be your biggest fan, I think. Oh, yeah. No, those are all foundational and just I just like everything you said, I completely understand because I some that is part of my own journey. And what I deal with now sometimes is it's so this is something a lot of people who are into this information and live this path this is what we fall prey to we forget how hard it is 
it would be, it's so easy to tell someone, you know, you should do, you should really just go and isolate yourself and be in silence for three days on a mountain. Well, a lot of people can't even take that. I mean, the- well, there's a, there's a quote by, I can't remember exactly who it is, but he talks about, it, it's, it sucks that I don't remember because I think he's a well, well-known author, but he specifically mentions that, um, being in isolation will do one or one of two things. It will be your path to enlightenment, or it will break you and make you crazy. I think that you insane. I think that was younger Nietzsche. He said, yeah. "Like uh, the he who enjoys isolation is either a beast or a god." Yeah, and, and it really <laughs> is true because um, what I learned because I did that. I think for two years I lived. I still live alone, but I lived alone, and it was a point where I literally would just go to work and then home. And my being at home, I had no internet in my home, no TV. All I did was read and research. It's kind of like a echo, it's like the opposite of an echo chamber because it's just you. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the absolute opposite of an, an echo chamber. And it, it, without meditation and knowing how to properly harness and how to read that energy and how to turn off the mind so you can just observe that energy. Well, let's hone in on that a little bit because I think um, a lot of people that listen are familiar with meditation. Yes. But they don't, I mean, uh, I mean meditation is a lot more personal and practical than you realize. And I know from experience that you have to do it every day. It's a muscle. When you don't, you feel it. Yeah. But uh, just uh, for the listeners, go a little bit into depth about what you do for meditation. Because everybody's path is different, but it's always good to hear what works for others. Oh, no, absolutely. So I, and I do a lot of, I used to do like, this is a kind of an interesting anecdote that's related to this, but I do, I did a group meditation a couple of weeks ago at an event. And I remember thinking, this this helps, but it's a little bit subpar for me, um, mostly because I don't need the Hertz tones necessarily unless I'm aiming for a particular chakra healing. But to answer your question quickly, I do a silent meditation, a 15 minute silent meditation three times a day, right when I wake up, midday, usually um, during some sort of break when I can feel it, usually as like a, usually at a stressor point, and then right before I go to bed. And maybe sometimes if I'm feeling a little bit more stressed, maybe sometime in the afternoon. But overall, it's, it's definitely in the morning, before, right before I wake right right before I wake up, or right as I wake up, and then right before I go to bed. And it's a silent meditation, and I find... Um, as I've meditated with different med mobs groups and different meditation groups, they all choose a more sound-based meditation that seems to be, that helps for beginners, but it's the silent meditation in my personal experience and that, that I even suggest to people that will really get you the results you want yeah. because it, it forces you to sort of, what's within will come out. And it kind of blows your mind at first because if you're not used to knowing what, if you're not used to doing this, a lot of people think they know who they are. A lot of people think they know yeah. what's inside and what their thoughts are. That's what, the, the RNA layer that gives you that, that yeah. group identity. Yeah, exactly. And so when you meditate internally, what you'll be surprised to find is that your internal system for a lot of people, especially in the time we're dealing with right now where there's a lot of human energy farming, there's a lot of anger, sadness, rage, and resentment. So there's a lot of lower level emotions, which um, 
have their purpose and point and I definitely I'm not one of those people that are like you know bad good vibes only and I bad vibes it's, it, it will do the exact opposite it'll bring all of your garbage all of the things you repress forward and for most people it'll be the things about themselves they did not know were there and they didn't really want to see and the how you handle it in this, during the silent meditation is that you just observe it at first no judgment and that will be really hard because our egos live off judgment they're fueled off judgment because that's how they survive and so you'll be dealing with a lot of just balance at first and at first a lot of people can't do it but it, it's hard it's, it's hard for the because for the first three to five minutes all you hear is your mind shattering judging thinking i put around air quotes because it's not really thinking it's just every all of the all of the defense mechanisms your ego has to prevent you from seeing who you really are so for the uh for the left brain audience because we just talked about this a minute ago what uh alex is basically describing um if you want to look this up in relation to something uh where you would transcribe this in a scientific term look for the global consciousness project in relation to 9-11 um that's basically uh they place random number sequence generators across the globe to determine if uh basically randomness on the quantum scale does not exist um particles and basically reality doesn't know what's going to happen until the very last possible instant yeah so for a left brain person you can kind of explain that as a law of attraction it's like the more you the more you focus on something the more you quant quantumly apply your will and intent towards it even on a very small energetic level and there's things you can do to build the energy and the investment that you place into that but uh something like uh when alex says like energy vampires a lot of people take that as uh woo woo or something like that and when i'm talking about the global consciousness Project. Example of what I mean by that. Well, this is a good one. This is a nine eleven. Nine eleven is one of the best ones, and on nine eleven, uh, basically all these random number generators, and you can time this because it went by time zone around the globe. Like as the attacks unfolded, all these random number generators just started producing the same number right after another. Like the randomness stopped basically. <laughs> so there's a correlation between this negative energy that people produce, mm-hmm. and then the effects on the on the planet and yeah. on the time zones, things like that. Anytime you watch the news and you see the school shootings have been a really great example of that. That's a good way to, to drum up negative emotions and yeah. get people really, uh, yeah. whatever, whatever it feeds. Um, and there's a lot of different theories that you can subscribe to, but whatever it feeds, those are definitely a good generator of it. Yeah. And, um, what I've been noticing, and this is sort of just my personal observation is that there, whoever is farming this energy or whoever is feeding off of this energy um, humans are getting wise to it. We're getting, we're getting, we've been getting wise since about 2012, 2010. Um, so there's been this up the ante, you know, like hearing about a school shooting was incredibly rare. And it was enough to strike up the drama where it would be a cat- more cataclysmic kind of event like 9-11. But now it's, it's happening. It's happening actually specifically around wall of purchase knot. 
yeah. uh, around springtime and you know the sacrificing of you know there's a sacrificing element and then there's also the human energy farming. It's always interesting. They don't make it very public, but if you look at a lot of um, springtime, a lot of these dates when these events happen, they are actual like um, pagan or yeah. satanic holidays. They are. And what I mean by that, they're um, they're times of uh, sacrifice. Uh, the best one I can name off the top of my head is uh, July 27th through like the next week or two. Yeah. Those are considered the dog days of summer. That's when a lot of celebrities die. That's when a lot of uh, mm-hmm. bad things tend to happen. It's a good time to sacrifice to serious. Oh, no. And you will notice it, you know, you will even notice it on the streets. People will drive more recklessly. I actually, on the way here, these people were trying to change lanes. And I was right there, like clearly, visibly. They were in my blind spot and they tried to get into my lane and they were so adamant about it that I, by the time I, I just moved out of the way quicker to, and so I almost hit the person in my right lane, but because my, you know, one thing about meditation is that it makes you a lot more zen towards handling real life. So anger is very, very seldom the first reaction you get. The first reaction you get is just to handle the situation and just to move. And it didn't occur to me that I should honk at these people, but I finally did. And they kind of finally stopped trying to come into the lane, but they were really just so aggressively. And this was in the street. And I got the chance to take a look at them as they drove by and I looked at them and it was a man just wearing sunglasses, completely blase. There was no emotion or energy that I read from them. It was almost um, quite possessed. And I thought, you're not here. You're not here. And there's a lot of people, you, and, and that's, that's how, you know, when people talk about any sort of active shooter or someone causing a, a, a scenario, there are a lot of people who are just primed for that sort of, I'm not here and I did a thing and I don't even know what I'm doing. But how this relates back to the human farming aspect from, you know, I was a pagan and I say was quite lightly a pagan for about 12, 12 years. Um, and I was always aware of the human energy farming that was happening. I said, you know, they're, they're farming it's not just enough for like the sacrifice anymore, but like, as I said, again, the human energy, we're connected to this planet. So when you get a, a large swath of humans in a state of fear consciousness, um, that energy can be harnessed for practice. And I had made a, just a submission to some, uh, some fellow, fellow friends of mine. I said, I think it finally hit me. I said, somebody is farming this energy somebody somewhere is benefiting from this many Americans, for example, being in a state of panic and fear. It's a um, mix. <clears throat> because, the situ- because it doesn't really matter how realistic the scenarios are anymore. I have some friends. Well, have you seen the, the stuff I've been posting past couple days? A little bit, yes. Uh, there's been, um, I mean, I, I've always been like, I've always looked for UFOs, really. But within, like, the start of September, September 1st, I've had, like, one or two weekly encounters with... um, uh, The first instance, uh, I'll play it real quick, was actually back on YouTube. Oh, I got that other tap. But, yeah, this is the... uh, We'll turn up the audio so people can hear it a little bit. Uh, Basically, uh, there was a... um, 
a loud um, noise outside. Let's see if I get some audio. And this is mainly just audio, so I'll take you back to the, the picture so you can see. But yeah, there's been um, several different triangular crafts, which are technically okay, a... Uh, yeah, that's the, uh, the yell yell. Uh, TR3B, in my experience. Have you seen uh, this little interesting tidbit on Google? So you can hear the, the pulse, right? Yeah, I can. I actually can see the pattern. I know exactly what you're looking at. Yeah. The uh, TR3B, the Google patent, so for people that are unaware, this is a patent that you can search for on Google. They tell you somebody wrote this in 2004. It is for a triangular spacecraft with basically um, rotating copper plates, two in the back going one direction, one in the front going the opposite direction. They pass this off on Google telling you somebody wrote this in 2004. These have been seen since the 80s and are most likely reverse engineered from something else. Of course. And this, this uh, patent is insane. It goes through anti-gravity equations, which I'm not sure anybody can actually solve, <laughs> that explains how this thing works. It's got a large uh, dome-shaped array, and I believe, um, have you ever heard of uh, Gary McKinnon? Who? Gary McKinnon? No. He is one of the most famous hackers. Um, in the 1980s, he got busted hacking into the Pentagon and NASA. And uh, they tried to expedite him to the U.S. for a good 20, 30 years. The biggest um, claim, or the biggest, you know, claim that he ever made was that inside NASA's database, he found a uh, project called Solar Warden <laughs> with a list of 30 or so off-world officers and a yeah. list of a fleet of ships that aren't, they don't have call signs or something. Something like yeah. it. it's just names. There's no call sign or anything you would expect with a navy ship, yeah. or where it was originated or anything like that. Yes. And then, uh, have you heard what, what what's happened in the past couple of weeks in New Mexico and not, Sunspot? Not past couple of weeks. What's going on out there? In Sunspot, Arizona, there's a solar observatory that the FBI shut down within the past oh, yeah, three yeah. or four days, and this entire town has been shut down. There's no explanation for what it is. The U.S. Postal Office was closed. Uh, the, the solar observatory has been closed. They don't know when it's going to reopen. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, uh, and then when you kind of see these triangular crafts in the sky each night, and you can hear this. Uh, well, the landing, okay, so let me tell you what I know, and I found this out fairly recently. So this, this is, is when it gets a little. This is a couple of weeks for me as we watch this. So Earth right now, and this is so fresh to me, I'll be honest with you, this is not my area of expertise at all. Um, but Earth right now is shut down. Inter intergalactically and this is causing a an uproar amongst a lot of extraterrestrials that have uh, experiments going on down here a lot of extraterrestrials a lot of extraterrestrials don't care about humans at all and a good chunk of them are, are trapped here and so there's this sort of they're doing the shit job what's that they're doing the shit job well, it's, it, it's, it's not, it's, oh i gotta farm the humans no no it has nothing to do you know you, you gotta think of, you gotta think beyond yourself here like you know i tried to explain to someone at work like uh you know how when you mess with ants yeah. it's like the ant the ant can perceive you but can he know what you're thinking like yeah well the main the main premise here is that earth is going through 
a fourth dimensional shift. And that this is something that I highlight in my own work. And as we sort of raise in consciousness, uh, co-collectively, we are in a very chaotic state as far as where we can go. And so the people who are in the know from the off-planetary officers to people working in all sorts of organizations in America and globally as well, as well as to the, um, the uh, off-planet extraterrestrials that are invested in what is going on down here, we're in a place where a lot of our neighboring star clusters want us to be left alone so we can evolve without tampering. Well, it's a good reality show, too. I mean, you don't want to. That's kind of uh, I've read a book called The Day After Roswell, which the Canadian prime minister said that uh, basically the US, his friend in like the Pentagon confirmed it was a true story, basically, which says that the crash at Roswell was reverse engineered, turned into a couple of different crafts. But um, even in the scope of that, I mean, when you see these types of phenomena in the sky, do you believe they're entirely alien? Do you believe something traveled, you know, however many billions of miles just to watch us or do studies in our volcanoes? Well, you know, it's not narcissistic to Earth. It's just once you start understanding the level of uh, interplanetary extraterrestrials and how it works, it's like, think of an intergalactic UN. We're just another planet. Well, it's interesting you bring up the fourth dimension. I mean, um, mm-hmm. like what I think is happening in that video yes. uh, is some type of like dimensional shift. It is. Because people who have been abducted uh, and who are in the know and understand how this works is that how abduction works and how in the past how contact has worked it's always been sort of a manipulation of time missing time yeah missing time and it's been a manipulation of time that they have the capacity to do and um, i think that's what that noise is they say it's like a red shift where basically the time is like you perceive it outside the ship would stop so you would basically you'd be able to stop reality while the ship is still moving yeah yeah and I mean, I don't, I, I am by no means, like my, like I'm getting into this stuff just now. So my, well, I, you picked I, a good, you picked a good show to come on. Well, you know, I don't know what this show is actually. I, I'm, I'm finding out now it's a little different than what I was expecting it to be about. But, well, uh, we might, we might branch this into a separate one. I mean, um, that's, that's why I wanted you to come on first too. Cause I definitely have a, I have a wide range of expertise. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think there's enough content to talk about this stuff on its own show. So this yeah, is good. Is, this is a good test run. Kind of give people a taste of both. I mean, uh, yeah. you have a couple of events. We'll get to those in just a little bit. Uh, kind of when we're closing, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's perfectly fine. But we all, there's, a, I want to make it a, a content rich channel. Cause I think these are conversations people probably want to have, but you would definitely get uh, a crossways look and you would probably not be able to talk to somebody you gotta get over the looks I, I'm telling you <laughs> I'm telling you all fellow humans uh, and this might be easier said than done for me yeah you can just I, do, you I, can just do drugs and lock yourself off but well you know I don't I actually am quite sober I, and that goes back to our conversation on meditation and clarity yeah but I've always been a renegade so it's easier for me to just say do what you want and you know don't worry about others but if you are one of those types of people who are more concerned with the looks you get and being written off. Um, now is not the time anymore. I'll say it like that. Now is just not the time. If 
You can just kind of own it. I'm not even shaving anymore. It's not, it's, you know, own it or don't own it, but know this. It's, n- we are in a, a large paradigm shift that has been evident and noted and documented since 2012. People have known about this for the past 20 years prior. People have known about this, for, you know, in ancient civilization. Well, you know about the... It's um, much larger than your ego and being worried about... It, it, it's much larger than being worried about uh, the temporal, what is someone going to think about me if I say this, you know, know that you're going in a direction that the planet is going in, and I'm not going to use some sort of right side of history speech. I always find those kind of hokey and uh, insincere, but that's essentially where what I mean is that... What do you, you know about procession, right? Global procession? The 10,000 year cycle? Where the, oh, yeah. the pole takes that very slow rotation, the whole planet rotates. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I, that. I think uh, I think a lot of people that focus on the 2012, I think our counting's off because there is a, a pretty that, popular theory that in the Middle Ages, 2012, as in like you know. I just don't think it's here yet because they supposedly they added like 300 years at the end of the Middle Ages to history. People don't understand how sort of the numbers and time works, and it's not about the numbers. It's all relative. Our 2012 definitely might not be the Mayan especially if we added 300 years to the calendar. That's not the point. None of that's the point. The point is that we've already gone through the shift and it's evident and we feel it and we know it because of the prevalence of people coming out and speaking out about these issues. And it's, it's you know, it's something that we're all sort of aligned with. Now, if you want to take a more, I guess, limiting approach about it and want to make sure all your ducks are in a row so you don't even bother exploring it unless, you know, it looks absolutely optimal for you, I mean, then go ahead. But my overall point is that now is the time to be speaking about these things because if you look at it historically, people have already been talking about these things for the past couple of centuries. It's just that now we're coming to a spearhead moment where if you turn on the news, your average Joe can look and go, something's quite off. This isn't normal. That's the human scale. That's what I mean by um, people think like 2012 is just like the movie, like it's gonna. Yeah, no, no, it's not at all. Time scale is bigger than that. It takes a long time to collapse. An interesting prediction, or not prediction, but an interesting message that I had sort of that was relayed to me, you know, from someone else, from someone else, from someone else talking about extraterrestrials, is that they are preparing for a landing. They're preparing for contact, but. They can't even predict that they acknowledge how time is sort of, time doesn't really exist even in their dimensional aspects. They go, so we can't properly give you a time for when we will land because that'll depend on you. Humans on where you're going to be and what what you guys are ready for. But in the meantime, we will be making these these trips and just to prepare you, because you know they're watching us in the sense of if they if you if if you see a UFO sighting they're looking to see how you react and based off of your reaction will determine for them will they land or will they wait and it's all dependent on humans and their uh, you know their consciousness it's just you know are they going to react in fear and want to fight or are they going to react with curiosity and intrigue well, this is a lot of uh, my interpretation when we're talking about oh, yeah. phasing time um, I always think back to this actual Carl Sagan video structure of the cosmos astronomers sometimes say that space is curved or that the universe is uh, finite but unbounded 
Whatever are they talking about? Let's imagine that we are perfectly flat. I mean, absolutely flat. And that we live, appropriately enough, in a flat land. A land designed and named by Edwin Abbott, a Shakespearean scholar who lived in Victorian England. Everybody in Flatland is, of course, exceptionally flat. We have squares, circles, triangles, and all scurry about, and we can go into our houses and do our flat business. Now, we have width and length, but no height at all. Now, these little cutouts have some little height, but let's ignore that. Let's imagine that these are absolutely flat. That being the case, we know, us Flatlanders, about left, right, and we know about forward, back, but we have never heard of up, down. Let us imagine that into Flatland, hovering above it, comes a strange three-dimensional creature which, oddly enough, looks like an apple. You just scale the numbers up. The two-dimensional is three-dimensional. The three-dimensional is four watches it enter its house and decides in a gesture of interdimensional amity to say hello. Hello, says the three-dimensional creature. How are you? I am a visitor from the third dimension. Well, the poor square looks around his closed house, sees no one there, and what's more, has witnessed a greeting coming from his insides, a voice from within. He surely is getting a little worried about his sanity. The three-dimensional creature is unhappy about being considered a psychological aberration, and so he descends to actually enter Flatland. Now, a three-dimensional creature exists in Flatland only partially, only a plane, a cross-section through him can be seen. So, That's the three lights. the three-dimensional creature first reaches Flatland, it's only the points of contact which can be seen. We'll represent that by stamping the apple in this ink pad and placing that image in Flatland. And as the apple were to descend through, slither by Flatland, we would progressively see higher and higher slices, which we can represent by Which is why it only lasts for a couple minutes. So this video I want to show you is similar to this. <clears throat> What's it called? Uh, you'll look it up on my list, but... It's essentially, I love the Carl Sagan version because it's clearly like... This was, This is one I always harken back to because it makes such a good example of just the fourth dimension in general. Oh, yeah. Even if you can perceive it and you can see it, like it's it's outside of your... If they were to just, if you were to see the fourth dimension... But you don't have the capacity of... You don't have the organs to perceive it. You don't no, have, you like, have yeah, the biology. Yeah, exactly. And that's the same way it happens with a lot of things. You would go nuts. You would see like everything from the point of creation to the point of diet all around you at once. Well, I mean, you have to remember the fourth dimension isn't the final one. It's just, that's just, it's, it's sort of... It's an additional one. It's like uh, the concept I like is that one from Interstellar that maybe time to them is like a, a valley or a mountain where you can go down or to go up it. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. That's a good way to look at it. I know I'm so far away from the mic. Um, so the video I have, it's a, the person who made it clearly was well-versed in the Carl Sagan version because he uses that. He goes a little bit faster. Just tell me the name and I'll pull it up. I will find it. 
here we go. It's called uh, Visualizing 4D Geometry. Oh, yeah. I think I posted that one. By the Lazy Engineer. Yeah, first one. It's like 20 minutes long, but it does a really great job explaining how four-dimensional objects would look to us in the third dimension by using the second dimension to explain that to us. Shit. I clicked on the part two. Right here is our home, Earth. But why does it look so flat? Before the flat earthers out there start getting excited, I'm certainly not saying the Earth is flat. What I've done here is I've taken our 3D coordinate system and I've squashed it. It's a good uh, objection to make too. Um, I think a lot of people misunderstand when someone says flat Earth. Yeah, um, it's do. it's basically what this is saying. Like, uh, even if the Earth is a globe itself, if you take a uh, a piece of paper, yeah. you can make a globe out of it. Yeah. Also, if you cut that piece of paper, you can flatten it back into a piece of paper. How I've always understood flat Earth, from my minimal care to look into it, to be honest, is that I just go, well, it depends which dimension you're looking at it from, and I don't know. Because, I mean, to me, I look at it and I go, well, yeah, if there was a time, and I see it more in art, like, because as an artist, that's where I trace it. But there was a time... Have you ever I, used the, the golden ratio on anything? Yes, I do. I do. It's, I use it mostly as a symbol, but I understand how the numbers work. Have you drawn anything by it? Yes, I have. And I've sold the pieces. I really... Oh, damn it. <laughs> yes. So they, they do exist. Send me uh, the link that you took before you sold it. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. We'll post it up on the description. Um, sure. Um, but my main focus is really talking about how in art, there was a time where just being able to construct things two-dimensionally was more than sufficient. Like, you know, if you talk about cake. That was impressive at one point, because, I mean, um, in the time that Leonardo was doing all those drafting and those drawings, people were making, like, the, the Statue of David. They were crafting in marble. They were trying to recreate these giant Roman complexes and stuff they had observed. They weren't drawing on 2D paper and creating ideas that people were just thinking. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the idea of, like, okay, we're going to try to emulate the 3D they built, they built their statues and stuff out of stone. Nobody drew on paper. Paper didn't exist. Well, you know, I was really the point I was trying to make is just the fact that um, now where art has gone is that it's gone, you know, with contemporary art, it's gone into a place of the 3D where the 2D is no longer sufficient. Like, if you're a painter or a drawer, that's nice and lovely. But unless, I think abstract expressionism was what really kind of brought that to people's attention, which is let the 2D be 2D. Instead of trying to emulate the 3D on the 2D, just let 2D be 2D. That's where and the, that's where you get like your sort of like your man's gray back and your... <coughs> well, that's the difference between a, a painting and a statue, isn't it? Because well, when you look at a painting that was yeah. done by the Golden Ratio, like say the Mona Lisa, yeah. it's got that aesthetic, that perfect, not symmetry, but it's got that appeal to look at it. But that's not the same as looking at like a stone um, from Alexandria well, that's yeah. a full pharaoh, and then you realize the cheeks and the eyes and the entire head, and the entire three-dimensional form is built with the golden ratio and all these math principles. That's a different type of, that's a different application of the same principle, basically. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. But one is a lot more permanent and a lot more earth-shattering. <laughs> well, what I was really kind of getting at was the fact that now art, first it was a, 
or, or contemporary is performance art yeah. that really as a medium people have their opinions and make, you know can think highly or lowly of performance art but performance art plays its medium is time and it acknowledges that it, it goes you know we don't why do we make performance art? Because we're moving away from the painting and we're moving away from the statue and we're moving into how do we make art in a four-dimensional way? And it goes, will we become the art and we you know, allow ourselves, and they find different ways to manipulate time uh, in a sort of like 3D way. So it's like, how do we manipulate the fourth dimension they figure it out. Dimension. It's a stone monuments. Yeah. So, or you know, um, stone monuments is a good example. I think of that's the life. that's the only one I can think of that transcends the time. Well, another example I think of is the Day for Night Festival, which happens sort of every winter in Houston, which focuses on light. But light itself is ephemeral. Light doesn't. You know, you can turn on light, but you know, light's just a shadow of darkness. Yeah. What? Lights the shadow of darkness. Oh, that's an interesting way of, po- of posing it. Never thought of it that way. But, that's um, the um, that's the Gnostic view. Oh yeah. Divinity has the same source. Light and dark are just different interpretations. Yeah, yeah. But what what has caught my mind about it, or at least caught my interest, was how these light shows are now the form of art, and it's like, what are we saying? about art in this form you know what are we saying about the the you know two dimension three dimension fourth dimension uh sort of playing with these dimensions inter interconnectedly because we're like you said we're limited there's a correlation but uh, yeah, i think that i think that the the, pers- the human perspective and perception to play with these and to kind of push the envelope by going in this direction is a is an example of sort of where we are uh, consciously. Well, if the uh, there's a lot of theories that if the pyramid was where the Nile was located back in that day, with a lot of the aquifers and the way the chambers are built, mm-hmm. it would have lit up at night if you had encased it in quartz, like because it hones the natural power of the earth. So I mean, you kind of have the same thing. I think we've lost a lot of the uh, the antiquity and a lot of the craftsmanship that um, man had. Maybe perhaps when we're talking about the trivium, maybe it's something from that time frame as well. Yes. But um, I think because I'm kind of I try to be more of a futurist. I really think uh, transhumanism will fall apart when there is the ability to either replace your body or completely, you know, change anything about yourself genetically and have it just happen. There won't really be a need for gender if you can just swap between your sexes. I think as we move more towards posthumanism and the uh, the gap between creation of content and nostalgia shrinks, I think you'll see a rebirth. Um, they kind of talk about this. It's kind of goofy to say, but in the Animatrix, like the second renaissance yeah i think as people move further away from humanity the more they'll miss those things they'll miss those classical paintings they'll miss those operas well that was what the joe rogan and the elon musk um that guy's a post-humanist well yeah well but i mean he everyone else is trans that's why they don't like Musk. they're transhumanist he's post-humanist he's thinking about after humanity ends well, or as, as humanity as it's based on Earth ends, because he wants to go to Mars. My personal opinion, right now, he's in this. I don't know what the reason for this exactly is, but um, he's in a fear-based consciousness. Are you a supporter or are you a detractor? I am neither. I. That's a good opinion. I'm just an observer <laughs> of, of information and living on this planet. No, but I understand why he's afraid. But he answered, like most people in a fear-based consciousness, 
they answer their own questions. He knows what's coming. Well, it's not the fact that he knows what's coming. They all do. It's the fact that he roots it. It's... You... It doesn't... When you examine life, it's not... Nothing is neither good or bad. Uh, Now, there are such things as rights and wrongs, but that's another conversation since we haven't gone down that vein at all. Good or bad. The point I'm making is that you've got people who are afraid of humanity in a nutshell yeah. and, that, and that comes from a lack of faith you move away from it trust in the self and ironically it is the most intelligent among us who have that affectation they have that character trait it's being so left-brained that you look at humans that you see are just not as smart as you and you go if I gave them the ability to hamanaha to blah 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 they'll all just kill themselves yeah it goes Wow, that is that shows an extreme amount of faith and almost unrealistic pessimism you have in humanity. This is where spirituality comes in, because spirituality reminds us of the source, the source element, and the creative principle, and the fact that if we were going back to the concept of choosing life or knowledge, that it's not really about life or knowledge; it's about the experience. It's about love. Experience is a big part of it. Experience is, you know, experience exists due to love and out of, I would guess, say maybe the universe is love for itself. Well, when you say um, good or bad, those those are both um, they're group identities, but they also exist within you. So technically, mm-hmm. you define what good and bad is. There's a they're, group they're, definition. They're just, uh, they're just perceptual judgments of the ego. It depends what, and I mean. It just depends on which which way you're going to take it. Like, and I'm not, and I in no way, shape, or form am above having my own egoic judgments of good and bad. It's just that I know that they're rooted in fear and rooted in my own uh, third dimensional limitation of being a human. It's all about experience. Even um, Aristotle said the mark of an educated mind is the ability to entertain someone else's viewpoint but not necessarily adopt it and that's exactly how the extra extraterrestrials view planet earth you know we look and this is kind of crazy because the best example i have is the avengers movie i just watched the recent avengers movie with thanos and the thanos uh, car. i don't want to spoil it for anyone the thanos car wins i just spoiled it yeah i don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it thanos car but everybody has got their own opinions on the ending but i remember watching this and this is just a sign of my own development but i remember watching the end of the movie and just being like oh huh okay and then just moving forward because i thought to myself you know humans can be really attached to life they can be really attached to planet earth they can really be they can be really attached for survival reasons that's why we're here that's the root of all unhappiness that's what the dalai lama said attachment yeah yeah there's there's there, that's that's a um, a useful way of looking at it at times but the, the thing is is that they were attached for a reason so well, you're supposed to learn something, but you exactly. shouldn't get you shouldn't get lost in the sauce about it. Of course, because you're just a little it was just a little part blank. Of learning is getting lost in the sauce. Well, do you believe? In, what's your take on reincarnation? What do you think that is? Um, depends which aspect of reincarnation you're talking about. Do you believe in karma? Do you think you're born as like another person, no matter what? Or these are just like language linguistic terms. I mean, well, there's different interpretations. Karma is literally. 
the, 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 it's the cosmic law, the natural law of cause and effect. No, there's a wheel of karma for reincarnation. If you're shitty, there's like three things you yeah, can come back I, as. I understand how that works, but to be, be honest with you, that's no different than when there's certain sort there's certain levels of way of the way I look at it is like partially it matters and then partially it doesn't. And that's a weird way to say it. To, uh, I hope people aren't so invested in these concepts that they can't really kind of... Well, what do you think happens when you commit suicide? Do you think just you come back as another person or what? Suicide's a choice. So when it, when it comes to the fact of suicide being a choice, um, you're choosing to opt out of this this dimensional game. That's the karmic wheel. The karmic wheel says if you commit suicide, you'll either come back as a ghost that's like doomed to to be obsessed with that life no, and wander no, forever. No, no, no. Like if you come, and I know this because I know a necromancer and I've spoken to her about this. I say, when you come back as a ghost, that's that's also a choice. It's usually... That's the people that are hung up on this life. They get focused yeah, on... Well, it's not just that. It's That's what you got to be careful of. There's multiple levels to get there. For one, some people don't know they're dead. That happens. Usually, the dr- sometimes the death can be so traumatic that they don't even know that they've died. Not really in our lifetime, though. No, this has happened now in our lifetime. There's pe- there are some people who are, you know, and that's what the necromancer's job is, is to help this, per- or medium, but the necromancer, you know, it's a specific task of helping these entities realize, oh, you committed suicide and you were successful. Oh, I was successful? They're usually locked in the state of purgatory where they're looping that same story. That's not the type of people that I'm talking about, though. Well, I know, because we're talking about about like the sort of reincarnation and the karmic and the dharmic wheel that's what i'm saying don't get hung up on even even this like interpretation of yourself mm-hmm. if you get too hung up on that that's how you become a fucking ghost you don't let go of that ex you don't let go of that job you don't let go of, you get when you get hung up on material things a party you get snagged on them it's like an invisible hook yeah but that's a choice that's a mm-hmm. choice to do that too and there's a reason and there's even a lesson in that choice it's quite fascinating i mean well, that's why I was bringing it up because I think, yeah. I think you can. I believe in like the the wheel. I think you can either um, you can set yourself lower and make sure you come back as something worse, or you can say, "I'm done with this lifetime. I'm ready to ascend to like you're saying, like the fourth or fifth dimension." Yeah, you don't do that through suicide. Yeah, you don't. So, yeah, I was gonna say. That. But um, I mean, like the way of the kar- karmic wheel, like directly in the middle is being a human, and that ties back to the the tree of knowledge. The you you live through this life so that you can experience both good and bad, good and evil. Mm-hmm. And that's the benefit of being a human. You don't experience those things as a god. You don't experience those things as you a ghost. You don't experience those things as an animal either. You don't even really experience those things as an extraterrestrial, which is interesting because the extraterrestrials will, will send us messages because a good chunk of us have that DNA in us. Have you ever had one of those? Have you had an experience like that? Personally? Yeah. It depends. It depends. I would, I would want you to. I would say no, but then I look at my past experiences, and because I don't view them through the lens of judgment, it, it would have never occurred to me that what I experienced was an extra, extraterrestrial encounter. I would have just viewed it, viewed it as, oh, this happened, but it always happened. Well, that's why I asked you about your um, your view of like the UFOs, because I'm not sure it's 100%. I know there's a, there's a mixture. There's got to be... I don't be. have a view on anything other than... I know there's humans. I know there's aliens. I wonder if there's like a third type. The actual 
Like we're talking about, like the extra dimensional beings. But the air quotes is just just non-terrestrial. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times, um, a UFO abduction story compared to like if you talk to a shaman that takes ayahuasca, they talk about beings with animal heads coming and like taking apart their body. That's kind of the same thing with aliens. Sure. A lot of the times, those UFO experiences, they they see like a humanoid with a human head, something similar. Yeah. I've never had it happen, but um. There are different there are different extraterrestrial types that have been recorded and kind of like with documented of looking like, and that's why I was emphasizing the fact that there are various extraterrestrials who are running experiences experiments on Earth who 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 have no interest in humans at all. They might be in an insectoid. Uh, race or maybe a more alien race. The uh, reptilians are an interesting example yeah. because there are different reptile. There are different reptile races that are we would describe as reptile who are running experience experiments on Earth, and they're not. And their focus is, is what they're they're focusing on our animal life or our plant life or our forest. Yeah, that's why they they study cows. You've seen those statues of like the uh, the deities with the cow with the human head. Yes. And a lot of those uh, statues with the golden calf and like uh, when we entered Gemini, a lot of those statues of like the man overthrowing the bull. Yes. I think, yes, th- they're, they're, I think that's why they focus on the cows and the bulls so much. I think that's some of their DNA too. That's why they left us with cows. Well, yeah, there's the whole, there's the ancient myths from, uh, and there's like a guy. I forget what they're called, but there's one, there's two of them in the British Museum, those big bulls with like the Anunnaki heads and the wings. Yeah. Um, they created thousands of those things too. And yeah, you, you couldn't was, recreate one now. That was during the age of Taurus and a lot of. Yeah, the, lot the of, age of Taurus transitioning into Gemini. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of, no, 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 transitioning into Aries. Well, that's, what's your sign? I'm the Pisces. That's why I asked, because um, you said you meditate at night before you go to bed, right? Yeah. Yes. I have done that a lot too. And then um, last year for my birthday, I got a hold of a little uh, DMT. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I did the very last portion of it, I had been seeing this weird light um, when I lived in Magnolia. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I had just thrown it up to like a hallucination. But then one night when I was walking out with my dog, some other people had seen this too. Like my neighbors stopped me and like, did you see that big flashing like light on the horizon? I was like, yeah, like I saw it too. And uh, that last time I did a little bit of DMT, I was kind of like lost in the sauce. I was meditating. It wasn't the usual experience, and I had the clear distinction to go outside, and I could see the, I could see the flashing like lighting up my yard, like something in the sky, not lightning. It wasn't making any kind of noise, but it was flashing blue for a split second enough to like light up the grass and the trees. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go outside because I mean, obviously, like after you're hearing what happens with like missing time and yeah. finding implants in yourself, it was it wasn't an experience I was looking for. Yep. But I the fact that you meditate at night and that you I, I honestly think you have more likelihood of seeing these types of beings if you're somebody that, I don't want to say open-minded, but somebody that's fully fully open to the concept that waking reality isn't what it seems. Yes, you are. I think you just miss them otherwise. Well, it's a combination of things because... Right time, right place, obviously. No, yeah, but... Because they like cities, they like traditional geographic locations, they love volcanoes. Anywhere Bigfoot's at, a lot of UFOs. Um, we as humans have to understand what our role is. What do you think that is? Our role as humans is we are empaths. We are all, we all, we use the term empath to be specific to people who are sensitive to others' emotional energies, but all humans have the capacity of this. I think a great example of this for more layman terms is like how on Star Trek, there were different races, and humans were under like humans were valuable. 
not for their intelligence and not for their for their emotions for their emotions exactly that's what uh, interstellar says love i think love is one of those things that transcends time and space because you can love somebody that's dead that doesn't make sense scientifically yeah definitely what's the point in that that doesn't that transcends time and space well, I mean... Because that, that, that being can never reciprocate that love. It doesn't make sense from an evolution standpoint to love that thing. We're still viewing things from a very third-dimensional perspective. So at this point, it's more of like, you know... But you saw the flatland. I mean, if one of the if you ever interacted with one of those beings, how would you even know it? How have I ever, ever interacted with a flatlander? No, I mean... <laughs> I mean, if like a if like a fourth dimensional being interacted with you, like you would know it, but would you be sane on the other side of it? Oh, that's a fear. That's a fear-based question. I'm not even worried about stuff like that. Like that doesn't that like that, that's, that's what's really hard about talking about some of this stuff with some people because it's almost like you get to a certain level where you look at their question and you go, I don't even understand your question. You've always been pretty worried about my sanity. Sanity is a third dimensional concept that isn't even real. It's all subjective too. Your sanity is someone else's. It's like like if an objective situation happens to you, would you be worried about your subjective experience coming out of it? It's like, well, no, I have enough. I understand how I work with my mind, body in, in this time and space. A lot of people don't even know, they don't even have the basic skills to process their emotions in real time, which is why we have so much trauma. It's like, but once you learn how to process your experiences in real time with no egoic judgment, then you're free. Then loneliness yeah. becomes freedom. Because well, <laughs> I was like, you, there you, go. you had to go through all that shit to get here anyway. Exactly. Well, that's when you realize it's all connected in that your ego was just here to protect you while you're on this planet, just to keep you alive. It's a buffer. But once you, yeah, exactly. But once you stop being attached to that concept of, oh, I've got to be alive. Well, you said you're sober. What's the most you've ever lost your ego? Oh. Do you ever had like a, a plant teacher experience? Um, I don't, I don't think I understand the question. Well, for me personally, like the most intense ego death I've ever had was on a particular type of mushroom called penis envy. I'll tell you what had happened and you'll appreciate this. They tell everybody this story. My, uh, ego death, I was completely sober. Um, that's cool. Um, it was during an incredibly trauma does it trauma. It was an incredibly traumatic moment. And for people who don't know, Yes, our government sacrifices children, and when they sacrifice children, this is what they do. Uh, people who are uh, who have gone through ritual abuse, childhood ritual abuse, will uh, have accounts of this. But they use, you know, what I was saying with the human energy farming. Yeah. They take children and they make them go through incredibly traumatic. They torture them. Yeah. Torture you them break the death. break the psyche, make a robot. Yeah. You torture them to death, or you torture them so much so because when you're able to do that you are able to harness that energy for either a a ritual or to see and to, to get different perceptual abilities to see into the future they talk about it in fear and loathing uh what's it called chrome or uh, chromium no adrenochrome there's even a, if you go to the addiction website, there's steps and uh, the list of how to know if you're going through adrenochrome addiction and it's technically not illegal and you can only get it through the pineal gland. Oh. And supposedly if you harvest, if you scare somebody really bad, kind of like in yeah. Stephen King's It, yeah. right before they die, they release a lot of that adrenochrome yeah. and it's the most intense psychedelic. It's a psychotic actually, like yeah. it'll make you 
go into a blood frenzy. You won't remember what happened. You'll talk to demons. You'll time travel. Yeah. But you've never done like a like a DMT or like any kind of psychedelic, right? No. Not I think, for lack of wanting. I think that would be very, very interesting. You know, DMT exists in the pineal gland, and once you... You can breathe in control. You can release it that exactly. way. Exactly. Some people so, have more, too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking... I I do not. I am, um, I am a free... I believe in freedom of, you know, putting whatever you want into your body, especially to alter your... Freedom to alter your consciousness, so I... Well, someone that's open-minded like you, it's always interesting to kind of pull the rug out from under them and see what happens. Oh, well, that's why, that's why I mentioned it's not for lack of desire or lack of wanting. It's just that I don't, I have better, you know, like for me, it was, a, it was more of a, I have access to it if, if, you know, people want me to go through that experience and I had plans to do so. I had some plans, maybe some next year to go down actually to Mexico. But, but that's not a main concern of mine because once I understood what was actually happening and realizing I had had these experiences without the drug, that's when I was like, oh, well, you know. What do you want to go to Mexico for? What do you want to do over there? Um, there's a conference there. There's an, uh, an, uh, an anarchist conference that happens but there. You're a plant teacher, I mean. What's that? You were going to do something while you were down there, though? Like, well, they have uh, DMT sessions when you go down there. I think I think you would really, because like, a lot of people don't realize there's a spectrum. Uh, there's a male and there's a female aspect. Yeah. Uh, acid or LSD is probably more on the male end. It's like when your dad teaches you a lesson. Mm-hmm. He's got some wisdom for you, but, but you don't really you don't really know what the lesson is sometimes, and sometimes you're not sure he even taught you anything. Mm-hmm. DMT is on the opposite end. That's more on like the delirium end, where she sets you down and you have no choice but to pay attention. So the lesson's like always clear, but sometimes that lesson is, hey, you're a fucking asshole. Hey, your ego's stupid. Like, yeah, I'm retarded. I made your brain, and I can explain why you're stupid. Yeah, that was the. And I had the DMT experience. I had, it actually happened to me. Uh, uh, after this traumatic experience, I had nothing but nightmares, and the nightmares were of that variety. And essentially, um, what it was telling me in these dreams was first, it told me I was heartless. And that was actually quite an intense experience to have because, uh, not because I cared whether I was heartless or not heartless, but because this was actually after a very severe sort of experience where that was actually contingent. But not only. It really wasn't, it wasn't even just the message. It was the fact that the message had to come cloaked in a person that it knew I would actually listen to. And so I tell people I sometimes when they're having dreams about people who have died that they've loved and they'll be like, oh, was it really my Nana who spoke to me or was it really my Pop Pop? And I was like, no, what it is is that it's your subconscious and, and aspects of your self trying to give you a message that it's been trying to give you in different formats, but it knows you won't listen to you. Life doesn't want to teach you through pain, but sometimes it's what all of us listen to. Yeah, exactly. It, life was like, we've been trying, it was like, we've been trying to tell you this for years now. Thank goodness you're finally listening. It no, they took- still they still don't listen. They just, they freak out and think I did something like, what is this? Uh, no, I had, I had, that was, that was, <laughs> honestly, look. When we were talking about the karmic and the dharmic wheel, the reason why I said it didn't matter is because a lot of times people are here to learn their lessons, and if they don't learn the lesson, the lesson will repeat. That's what I was. That's what I was trying to get to because I think, I think you can be reborn as the same person. I think because I had that. I had like a panic attack one time. I got like caught up on the wall. And I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "What if I've done this life like two hundred times?" I was like, "What if I keep making the same mistakes?" I was like, "Ah!" Uh. I mean, you are. I mean. 
like that's what the connection that's horrible no, it's, it's horrible but you watch people do it all the time yeah Concert, we watch people on tv why do we watch tv because we like watching we suffering like we like seeing blood not get the message yeah uh, because we, we want to see them get their ass kicked by life here's another good example because it's not us romance is a great example or not romance but relationships friendships uh romantic relationships those are great examples because um as empathic speak as an empathic species how we learn and grow is through relationships relationships are about happiness or joy or love or romance it's about it's growing side effects that make us want to do the lesson yeah but it's about the lesson and your partner whether it be your friend or someone you just greatly admire will be a reflection of an aspect of yourself nine times out of ten that you repress yeah and so Everybody, everybody dates who they think they deserve. Well, it's not even just that. Every everyone dates almost like who they secretly. No, it's the Ayn Randian concept of that. Love is an involuntary, involuntary response to your own virtue. Everybody's great at finding the person they shouldn't fuck and fucking that person. Well, it's not about it's not about whether they shouldn't or should not. It's the fact that everybody shows, knows. No, it's about the fact that they're with that person, that's the person that they need to be with to get the lesson that they're supposed to get. Definitely, definitely. You're always like the bad person that you shouldn't have been with is definitely like there to teach you a lesson. Well, it's not even just that. It's like I don't think there's bad people. I mean, don't misconstrue the language. They say like bad, like that's. I love. I, I would want to refrain from that judgment of bad or good because I think it's all that, the same. Because that takes us away from the point. It's yeah, it's all the lesson. It's all the lesson. And the thing is, is that, you know, what what's really funny is, as we're talking about repeating the lesson, is we all know multiple people, I would just say. But we all know someone who dates the same type of person. <laughs> no, let's not get into that. Meet the, meet the old girlfriend, or meet the new girlfriend, the same as the old girlfriend. <laughs> We got some common friends we're not talking about on purpose. Well, it's just <laughs> well, I mean, we all, but, but it's, it's not even about it's not even about us personally. No, it's not. You can meet, you can, you can. Just we're, tell. we're all stupid. We all fucked the wrong person. It's it's not that. No, see, no, I'm gonna have to correct you on that because that's that's the problem. That that mindset of. Well, we all screw the wrong. We get no, we get some right ones too. It's not all bad. No, you're still looking at in the wrong or like in the bad or the good and the. Wrong I refuse. The yeah, it's like you're, you're missing the lesson. Who's who has fucked all good people? It's not. It's not. That's not what it is. That's not what it is at all. Okay. That's like completely irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. What is, what is relevant is that you as a human came here and you have certain experiences that you need to have to learn to to learn and grow and understand certain aspects of your life journey yeah and when you pick a partner your partner is going to you're going you would not you will not pick attract see vibrate connect with any person who you weren't meant to connect with yeah definitely and that person you will choose will be a reflection of an aspect of yourself that needs to be revealed to you. Well, that's where we separate a little bit because I believe I believe everybody learns that lesson. But I think I think you can be a piece of shit. I think you just have to own it, though. You know, you can't just be you can't have half a foot in that piece of shit. You got to be full. Well, you know, the reason why I, I'm a gross guy, but I own it, you know, I mean, it, it's that just goes. I mean, that's third dimensional attachment. Well, that's that's part that's of the experience. That's the human, you yeah, know, yeah. you're very correct. You're very correct on that. Like. I don't look at it as, you know, some people are pieces of shit. Yeah, you're more forgiving. You're more forgiving. 
I look at it as that human is going in and through an experience. Don't don't get me mistaken. I love my human pieces of shit. Well, <laughs> They're my I, favorite people, honestly. I, I <laughs> and that's why you have the judgment, and that's why you you you, you keep it because and I, I and I tell you like I don't I'm not attached to it either way or that it's not keep it don't keep it. That's it helps, good. It helps as long as it helps you learn and grow. It works for you. I love. Um, and I think you kind of know this about me too. Like I love just being around people. I don't know if I'm necessarily good at being friends with them or forming complex relationships, but I appreciate that part of life a lot. I like being around people. It isn't like you were saying, like it doesn't matter what type of person. It can be a lawyer. Some of my friends are heroin addicts. I kind of attract like, you know, the dog that's missing a leg. It happens when I go to the bar too. Like I just, I don't know. I have, I have a mixture of people and I think everybody can teach you something, even if it's something you didn't want to learn. Honestly. Oh, absolutely. No, that's, that's, that's a good Truism. You might you might not know you don't like being threatened with a knife until a lady does it to you. Yep. No, that's yep. 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 That's that's true. That's how life works. That's that's really how it's you also it also works the same way for positive things. But you've been doing some growing yourself. You just went out to California. I was looking at all your pictures. Yeah, I did. I just I went to Yosemite. Talk about that shit. Yeah, no, so um went out to Yosemite in California to specifically go to the uh Go to the park. Go be with the mountains and the waterfall. I look so. Be with nature. I was supposed to go there with Ember a long time ago, but mm-hmm. we kind of. I had to come back. There was some. We went to like a music festival in Washington, and we didn't have time to stop off on the way back. But I've always wanted to. It's beautiful. Everyone told me it was beautiful, but it is. And no amount of picture, video, camera work ever really does the place justice. And I think. There are, is it, you know, why humans, we're connected to this earth because we're made from this earth. So we, the clay. we have, yeah, we have elements in our bodies that are in the, that are in mountains and that are in, in these environments that our bodies resonate with almost like a magnet. Metal and rock are types of matter yeah. that are, they're, they're fundamental elements too, but people must understand them. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what kind of ore is in those mountains. There's um there's a ley line there. There's a lot of magnesium, a lot of quartz, yeah. a lot of stuff that's under the ground. There's big veins of it. There's probably a lot of gold and silver there too. I'd be and our bodies, but our bodies resonate with it when we're there. And this happens for a lot of people who've ever lived in the mountains or you know go to the mountains. I didn't really peg you as an outdoor person. How, how was that experience? Would you really like? Would you go back there? Yes. Obviously. Yes. Are you gonna try to go back there? Yeah, that's the plan. Or are you going to be more of an outdoor person now that you're here? That you kind of. I've always been an outdoor personality. Does that? I've always been a, a, a walk in the park. Do you get that nature bath feeling where you feel more energized and more ready to deal with the well, human yes, world? Well, yes, but it's scientifically supported. These trees, yeah, in China and trees, Japan. Now, everything on planet Earth has a auric field, and every field has has its own uh, torus uh, ley lines. Yeah. And we resonate with these ley lines, trees function on a hertz tone vibration that um, is specifically healing to us as humans, which is why we are obsessed with trees, which is why... It's it's the it's with the forest because the, uh, the trees communicate with the fungus, do. with the dirt, through the mycosial culture. They do. They, can, they communicate with us. And even like, even trees, like there's a big matriarchal tree somewhere in that forest. There's a, the oldest tree that is like taking up place until one of, until it dies. And then one of the prince trees will take its place. They have a whole, they have a society and like a language too. We just don't speak. Yeah, they it. do. They do very much so. I mean, why do we plant trees when we clear cut our silly little neighborhood? Or when it's something like, dies. Is it, yeah, exactly. We, we do. We have, a, 
we in the Jordan Peterson vein, what is it? We lived in trees. I love we Peterson. We were born in trees. We, our relation to trees is quite ancestral, quite ancient, quite primal. I think that's the uh, that's the Bigfoot aspect of us when they bred us to the Gigantopithecus. Oh yeah, because oh. uh, like Bigfoot is like uh, if humanity went the opposite direction instead of forming like cult like community and group identities yeah. and culture and uh, agriculture. Sasquatch is like uh, if we had evolved the other direction if we went towards isolation mm-hmm. and shamanic culture like living in caves and living away from one another and living in the deepest part of the woods where there's very little food where you have to like make your living off the land each day that is fascinating have you ever looked into the bigfoot stuff no i have not i think i mean uh i've seen like i said i had a lot of ufo activity i really need to invest in like a drone or a camera but if you ever want to watch some ufos or do some psychedelics or go in the woods you know you know who to find i do i do there you go well, that's, a, that's kind of a good place to kind of... Well, like, let's not cut off just yet. You have some stuff coming up, obviously. I will, I will. Let's squeeze in the shows on the website. Let's get the drop out of the way because we we're at one fifteen. Yeah, so if you're interested at all in art based around sacred geometry, the trivium, and occult and esoteric subjects, uh, definitely hit up letsimone.com. I have a show coming up, a solo show, first solo show ever coming up in November at a gallery called Visionary Heights. It's an art gallery and listening room, and it's called Sovereignty Redefined. So We'll have a link for you guys in the description, too. We will, we will. And that that's my shout-out for now. Like, um, I am doing another, I'm doing an event next week. Next, next, no, this, yeah, this upcoming Saturday, so next Saturday. Dope. Um, it's a... It's a Summer's End Masquerade. It's kind of a... Oh, yeah. It's kind of an event. It's an almond garden. Are you going to, um, uh, you know, the Oddity Store? Oh, Wild Collection? Are you going to their masquerade? It's on my list of things to consider, yeah. I don't think I... I think you got to pay it for that, right? Yeah, it is. It is. I'm pretty good at sneaking into those. Yeah, I know the owners of the shop, and they support my art, and... I snuck into the Vampire Ball. Oh, you did? (laughs) Not on purpose. I mean... How'd that go? Was it nice? I'm pretty good at selecting acting. I just kind of blend into the background, you know. A lot of my friends went. I was actually invited, but I, I don't... I don't blend. That's not, my, that's not really my thing. That was kind of like the last time, because, I mean, uh, I've been... I mean, I figured it out a long time ago. I don't really belong anywhere. So I was like, well, there's vampires and other weirdos. I'll go check it out. Yeah, and even no. then, even then, I was still out of place, and I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that's the best place to find me. Find out any news and updates. A thorn and Moon, too, right? No, not, not for a while. Okay. Uh, they are booked up for the rest of, at least to my knowledge... I tried to get in for October. I think they were booked. That's their loss. We'll have you back on before they have you in. It depends. It depends. I know I can't do November because that's the day before my solo show. And then December would be the next day I'd do it. But I have so much going on at that point. Don't don't worry about it. You don't got to go there to buy your stuff. But <laughs> you can, Yeah, you can find me. Best way to find me is on my website and just kind of keep up with the updates there. So, yeah. Appreciate it. We'll cut it off there. Um, this is the first episode. We'll kind of see how it goes. If you guys have feedback, just hit me up. Appreciate it. Leave, leave it. Uh, what is it? Like and, su- like and subscribe and comment, please. Yeah. <laughs> Do that.